saying, I wish I could feel something. I know the door is over there, but I just don't have the strength to even walk through it. I just want to tell you that there is a special anointing here for you to... beings. We are supernatural beings. Release that power. 
just have to give ourselves permission to move into that, to just give ourselves permission to change. You see, Jesus came to the, to the person at the, the pool of Bethesda, and he came up to the person who'd been laying there, and the text says that he had been in that condition for a long time. He had been in that condition for a long time. He had been in that condition for a long time. That's really how he introduced himself to people. I'm the guy that has been sick for a very long time. He laid there. That really impacts me because we can get used to an identity that we've grown so accustomed to working inside of. We can get used to that identity. We've been in that condition for a very long time. And then the release shows up. The releaser. And we always have a choice. We always have a choice. The deliverer comes to my mat. That mental, that physical condition that I've just grown so accustomed to. Oh, I'm sorry. I don't fill in the blank. Oh, I'm sorry. No, um, I don't do that. No, I. Oh, no, I would never because I have this condition, you see. And then the master shows up with a question. Do you want? to be made well. There's a time in my life that I didn't want to. I know what it's like to say no. I know what it's like to not have the strength to have a yes. I know what it's like to see it and can't get it. You're so clouded, shrouded, depressed, pressed. I mean, you might just say, if Jesus came and asked me if I wanted to be made well, I'd say no. What would I do if I didn't have this condition? What would I do with myself if I had choices? This is for somebody. What would I do for, with myself if I didn't clock in? Come on, take it if it's yours. Take it if it's yours. Take it if it's yours. I'm serious. Think about the murmurations. Think about the murmurations. Think about the murmurations. What would I do if I didn't clock in? 
What would I do with myself? Who would I be? Come on, Beth. Come on, Beth. The spouse dies. The love dies. The dream dies. Who would I be? Who would I be? Who would I be? What would I do if I had freedom to choose? What if I, whom the sun sets free is free indeed. Oh, but it's so much more comfortable to have a condition. So much easier to have a condition of a, a condition of a full-time job. So much easier to have a full-time job. So much easier that God will love me if I, in the conditional statement. I've been so long with these conditions upon myself, I don't know what I would do. I want to release over this house the suddenlies of God. I want us to give ourselves permission to change. To go from one way to another way. At midnight, when Paul and Silas, come on, my Bible folk, when Paul and Silas were in the, the, uh, the down ch chamber in the jail, locked up, and at midnight, they sang praises unto God, and suddenly... Where are the praisers? Where are the singers? Where are the praisers out of our condition? For it was one way. I once was blind, but now I, what would I do with myself if I could see? I can't unsee what I've already seen, said somebody that's going through deconstruction. I can't not see what I've seen now. If I'm not, what, if I'm not that, what am I? If that wasn't true, then what? If I've lived my whole life in fear, if I've lived my whole life with conditions, then what would I do if I were free to choose? Oh, I feel, I feel the call, the invitation. It's never a command. It's just an invitation. Mm -hmm. to come out from among the conditions and be separate. Come out from among the conditions and be separate. For the Lord will go with you. He will show you the next way to live without the strappings and the trappings of the condition. Fear not. With every big word from the Spirit, it comes a fear not, little one. Fear not. I know you're used to it. I know that you've grown to know me in it. But behold, I show you a better way. For those that have ears to hear, let them hear what the Spirit of the Lord is saying to this church. Bob, would you come? Hallelujah. I see the word from the Lord. A um, couple things real quick. How many here um, have ever, have never heard me speak? Raise your hand if you've never heard me speak. Anybody else? Just, oh, good, there's a few. Okay. Just, that was totally curiosity on my part. A little research, just, um, I want to say before I say this, I want to, um, I just want to, uh, 
tell you guys something that you can add to your gratefulness journal because I know that's what you're all going to do. You're all going to go buy a journal now and start doing it. It's, it really is amazing. It's life-changing. Um, it's uh, for some of the first things you can add to it instantly is that you have this church. Lots of amens. This really is... That's right. This is a amazing fellowship. This is an amazing group of people, an amazing ecclesia, the called out ones from the rest of the world that get together to encourage one another. And you guys probably do know, but I'm a lot older than almost everybody here. And I've been in church, my grandfather was a minister, I've been in church literally since I was a toddler, and that's over 60 years. And so I can tell you, I've been to lots and lots and lots of churches in 60 years, and I've never been a part of a fellowship that was more beautiful and had a pastor that was more gifted, and at the same time, and way more importantly, open to the moving of the Spirit and listening to the Father, because that's what really makes the difference. You can have gifting and talent, and but if you don't have the heart and the ability to listen to what the Spirit of the Lord is doing and saying on the fly, it means absolutely nothing, and that's way more important. And you get both. So in your journal... This fellowship and this pastor, okay? That's just to start it off, and then you can just keep going. Okay. So this is going to be a reboot. These are called, as you see, the gospel in three minutes or less. Today's a little over that, and now it's even more so because I am did that. Okay. So... We're going to kind of reboot, and that's the reason I was kind of asking was most everybody here then does know what the word gospel means, but I just thought it's always good for a refresher what the word gospel in the gospel in three minutes is. I want you to go on an imaginary journey with me this morning. So if you want, you can close your eyes and see the following scenario. Oh, I'm sorry. Before you do, I thought just as I finished it, I wanted to have my first visual uh, aid. This is a toothbrush, and you can see it's kind of an unusual one. And it has this little knob that twists on the end, okay? So when you're doing this imaginary journey, this is just to kind of help you, give you a little... It'll make sense. Thank you. So I want you to close your eyes and see the following scenario. Now, for some of you, this may be terrifying. And so I want you to imagine that it's not terrifying to you, if you can do that, which I believe you can, as the power of imagination is absolutely amazing. In the singular word of SpongeBob, imagination. Okay, so let's imagine that you're a person in Tulsa, Oklahoma. See, I'm going to start you off with something easy, so we will grow our imagination muscles as we go. 
Okay, so you're an inventor who lives here in Oklahoma. You have invented a toothbrush where the toothpaste goes in the handle to get to the, the bristles full of the exact amount of toothpaste that you want, just as easily as twisting the bottom of the brush handle where a dial resides. You can put just a little dab or a whole long strip all in an instant with a simple movement of the hand. No toothpaste tube to hunt down in the medicine cabinet in the dark in the morning. No cap to drop and have it bounce into the toilet because someone left the lid up again. No paste to waste because it didn't stick to the bristles once again, but rather fell into the sink where you have to now rinse it down the drain unused. Bye, toothpaste. Sorry, I was inept once again. Okay, you get the picture. This is a really cool invention for so many reasons. You find your way to get your family to help you, and you hire a patent attorney, who in record time, only 21 months, gets you a patent. Yay! So, armed with your patent, you then start the arduous task of seeking out a manufacturing design firm. You get the blueprints with the appropriate breakout of parts and have multiple rounds of 3D printed parts in the multiple forms for the plastic injection bolt sent to you via overnight mail. Acquire an actual manufacturing plant where you can even fly from time to time to oversee your quality control and make sure it's up to your expectations, yada, yada, yada. You get the point. It's a long, soul-sucking part of the process to get a new, simple, great idea out into the world that will, in some minute way, make the sun just a little sunnier to hopefully millions of people and put fat stacks of Benjamins into your bank account, hopefully. Okay. So, now after only four years of nearly day and night labor, all the while you're still holding down a job that you have only because it will keep the lights on and keep the baby in new shoes and you're finally holding a finished, ever-ready toothbrush. Okay, we won't talk about the cease and desist order you get from the battery company with the funny bunny because it will slow down this already excruciating process all the more. But again, now you're holding the twist-and-go toothbrush, complete with the packaging in your hand. Wow. And then you get a call from your attorney. Bob, are you sitting down? Sit down. We just signed an exclusive contract to distribute the toothbrush into every Walmart and Sam's Club on the planet. That's over 10,500 stores with over 2.1 million people who will be helping to market your new invention. This will probably give your toothbrush the probability to make you over $1 million a month for many years to come. So, why did I just do that? Well, I wanted to teach you in the way that Jesus did with a parable, a story that you can relate to that would explain another story you might not get right away. The attorney who called is what in the New Testament we would call an evangelist. Yes, a person who brings you great news that makes you jump up and down. Yes, yes. Well, that's what the word gospel means in the Greek. It's news that's so good, it changes your life forever. And by the way, the word gospel never means an offer. It's not a call about an offer that you can say yes to or no to. It means it is a done deal. It's good news. It's always about news of something that's already happened, which is always great news for the person who's hearing about it. Well, that's enough for today, as I'm already way over my three minutes, but I wanted to restart the gospel 
in so many minutes or less by reminding us all of just what the word gospel actually means. Shalom, my friends. my prototype yeah <laughs> oh would you stand with me hallelujah well thank you lord jesus um all right well um we get to internalize all of this with the taking of communion together